Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good afternoon, gearheads. Welcome back to Speed City. We just got through watching the Canadian Grand Prix. Not the most exciting race we've seen all season. It's John Massengill sitting next to Les Kaiser and Jonathan Green. What do you think, boys? Uh, called it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me and Les win that one. Yeah. You're you doing boys. the washing out I th- there. I think, uh, I think uh, it was a Jason. I think uh, our pre-show caller called it as well. Yeah, he did. And I'll tell you what was significant about what uh, Jason in Florida had to say. Uh, and please do call in if you've got any opinions too. But what he had to say was, does this start the beginning of a Ferrari dominance? We just heard Jolien and, and the boys saying, you know, we've got back to back to back. Uh, Austria, uh, unknown territory coming to Paul Ricard because they, don't, they haven't driven there in ages. Austria, you never know. Uh, and of course, Silverstone, again, you never know in terms of weather because even though it's the summer, um, it can be pretty atrocious sometimes. So these next three races could define whether Vettel will continue to lead or whether Mercedes will bounce back. Okay, yeah. but what do you think about Hamilton lagging so far behind him? I, I just think he was on the back foot from the start. I mean, you only have to listen to the press conferences that, and, and the interviews he did. He he just wasn't with it, was he, this weekend? And I, I just, you know, the, from the flat spot all the way back, I mean, you know, he actually drove pretty well, but they had a heating problem. That's why they brought him in early. He questioned that. I mean, you know, there was all sorts of things that d- didn't work for him this week. Oh, and I, and I find it amazing that they actually pulled off some of the air deflectors, the fins, uh, during a pit stop. They didn't Can't pull the one that was in second place, yeah. not that fin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they... <laughs> Good one. I don't think I've seen that happen in a pit stop. Yes, uh, that is unusual. You're well, right. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, you were right. Our caller was right dead on the money, but let's give out the phone number in case anybody wants to call again. It's 512-279-0813. And we'd love to hear your comments and what you thought about the race. But, boys, let's talk about – there were some other stories. Obviously, at the very beginning of the race, we had a big crash between Lance Stroll and – who was that on the other end of that crash? Uh, Hartley. Yeah, Brendan Hartley. Sorry. Brendan Hartley, we were, who we were so excited about at the beginning of the race. But Lance Stroll obviously turned into him and put him up in the, against the wall and then up in the air and then on top of, of, his, uh, of Lance Stroll's car. Yeah, I had to look at it a few times, the replays. And uh, definitely, I'll tell you what, if you don't have it, check out F1 TV. But uh, looking at the replays, you could see that Lance actually did steer towards the left. Consequently, he wound up with a flat. Very but, abruptly uh, I to think the left. It was, uh, I think that was uh, initiated at the steering wheel. Yeah, I think, he had a, I think that he had a puncher, and that's what led him to veer left like he did because he suddenly felt it and I think it was the rear left and, and he was readjusting because obviously it had gone down which had swayed him to the right so he was readjusting and of course he couldn't because he had a puncher and that's what led him so no question the, the fault lies with uh, in terms of causing the accident Lance Stroll uh, I mean Brennan Hartley was on his line and just you know flat, flat out going towards turn six um, quietly um, you know humming his iTunes I'm sure but um, 
definitely the, the fault for me goes with uh, Stroll. Yeah, and it's a shame because Hartley was looking good before the race. And, of course, the big story, the rumors about him being possibly replaced, well, you, that you doesn't know, help his cause. they're not even rumors. They're not even rumors. Toro Rosso actually have contacted McLaren and asked about Lando's availability. Lando Norris, this is, the British That's driver. That's true, yeah. Uh, after Austria. Um, which is just, I mean, you know, Red. I mean, what a career this guy's had. He's been thrown out of Red Bull already once. Yes. Ah, I yeah, would be so upset for him that they didn't give him a full season. I mean, okay, but you know, years ago when he did has have his shot at F one, it was a total different car. And so, you know, folks are arguing whether you call him a rookie or not. As far as a car this drastically different than what he had driven before, yeah, he's a rookie. Uh, is the logic and the strategy uh, much the same? I think it's pretty much the same as what he had before. So I understand being a little bit torn between the two. Well, let's run down the race results in case anybody's listening and didn't get to see us. Sebastian Vettel walked away with it. And then Botas, Verstappen, Ricardo, Hamilton, Raikkonen, Hulkenberg, Carlos Sainz, Ocon, Leclerc, and then an 11th, Gasly, Ro uh, Grosjean, Magnussen, Perez, Ericsson, Van Dorn, Sorokin, and then who did not finish the race, Alonzo, Lance Stroll, and Brendan Hartley. But, yeah, that's another big story, Alonzo not finishing the race, guys. Yeah, and uh, he gets on a plane tonight, as does Scott Dixon, and heads to the Le Mans 24 Hours, part of his triumvirate of, uh, of interests, as it were. He wants to win, like uh, Graham Hill before him, um, the Monaco Grand Prix, the Indy 500, and Le Mans. That's the triple crown. Tell you what, behind the wheel of the Toyota, he's got a shot at winning Le Mans oh, for sure. I Absolutely. mean, more than a shot. He's got a, he ought to be the favorite. It's a perfect storm. Uh, I mean, with Porsche out, I uh, pulling out and uh, yeah. Audi already long gone. Um, effectively, Toyota are the only manufacturer involved in WEC at the moment. Oh, no. So, well, but. That's an asterisk besides his, beside his triple crown. Oh, yeah, you could say that. You really could. You no, could. I, hey, listen, I think if you can drive a, a three-wheeler around Le Mans for 24 hours, you deserve <laughs> a medal. I, you know, a, a win is a win is a win. Yeah, yeah, but I, I know, I'm just saying, without Porsche and, and, and Audi and everybody else, obviously a little bit less glamour. He'll have to win it a few times then. Uh, he could do it. I mean, you know, I was talking with somebody about, you know, how good is he? And I was like, well, he's very good. But, you know, I got a question. The team's stand of staying with that Honda idea going to IndyCar. Why what? Honda, for one? Sorry, what, what? The McLaren relationship and Honda of him coming to IndyCar with a Honda. What's, what's the problem with that? I'd just rather see him in a Chevrolet after his failures. Well, you wouldn't have said that last night. No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. I mean, I, I, I hear you, but Honda, it's interesting. I think the you're right. The, the days of Honda cronking out uh, at the 500, uh, which is two years ago now, have gone, and Honda are reliable. And, in fact, the, the, the battle in Chevrolet versus Honda now is more about um, longevity of, of pit stops, which you saw last night. Honda can go longer. Chevrolet are faster. Um, so I actually think that, that Alonso is coming into a Honda-based team, which we expect it to be, because it's always been connected with Andretti. My theory is, uh, and I said this at the beginning of the show, or I said this to you at the beginning of the show, I actually think the smart move, and Michael Andretti was in Canada and Zach Brown was in um, Detroit while I was there, is that instead of bringing McLaren as a fully-fledged, like Carlin did, team, they come in and literally take over half of the Andretti team. 
That's what I would su suspect them to do. In other words, buy a couple of chassis off Michael and make it a... Well, you can hardly be a junior team as McLaren, but effectively a split Andretti's overhead by bringing Zach Brown in. And, I mean, he's already said... There's a lot of sense to that. Uh, yeah. yeah. And also, he said he's not, team. they are not pulling team. out of um, Formula One by any means. He said it will only work, and they're doing the due diligence. That's the quote. We are doing the due diligence right now with, with Michael. So it is a real potentiality, this. And therefore... Um, and, and asked about uh, Alonso, he said he'll be on the books <laughs> with yeah. one of our projects, which basically means he could do... And I think, you know, to be honest, Les, to answer your question, I also think it opens up the door for um, Honda, Acura, and potentially Alonso doing a GT uh, effort Ooh, in, yeah. in WEC. So, All right, well, let's get back to the Canadian Grand Prix a little bit. I know it wasn't the most exciting race, but there were some highlights. One of my favorite highlights of the entire race was early in the race when Max Verstappen was being Max and went aggressively at Botas. And we did not see Botas fade and stuck in there and kept Max Verstappen at bay. Yeah, yeah, got to love that. And love that it was done so cleanly. It uh, It is a scare point. I think these drivers, anytime they look in the rearview mirror and they see Max coming, I, I got to say they probably cringe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I thought, I'll tell you what, talk about um, redeeming himself. Uh, good day for Max Verstappen. Clean day, kept his nose clean. And after what has been a lot of criticizing and potential headbutting, um, <laughs> no, one, no one needs to be hurt in the media center this afternoon by yeah. Max. Yeah, no one needs to be headbutted. Yeah. Yeah, and that was his threat, of course, to the media. So stop asking me about crashes or I'm going to headbutt you. Uh, and then, <laughs> Which is a crash in itself, really. <laughs> New equipment issued in the media yeah, center. And, Helmets. And I think everybody took That's that That's what the threat. groundhog said to Grosjean, I think. <laughs> yeah, they took that threat seriously. It's Verstappen. What about Ricardo's race? It was quiet, but uh, obviously it's, looked, it's interesting to see Red Bull, you know, finishing third and fourth after winning last week. And, I mean, this, this season is uh, it's definitely a competitive season, in the, even in the championship. I mean, even in the constructors. I, I think it's going to be one of the closest fought championships that was mentioned in the commentary during the race uh, by the BBC that, uh, you know, Hamilton may be out of sorts because he's not used to this kind of competition. And I think the pressure of this season with his teammate Botas uh, and with Vettel clearly with a competitive car and now Red Bull coming to the fore has made this an absolute three-way battle for the title. Yeah. Also, early in the race, we, of course, we were talking about the crash between... Uh, Hartley and Stroll, but there was some, there, there was a little bit of fallout, and I did not miss this. I'm, I mean, I did miss this early in the race, is that after hitting some of the debris, Stoffel Van Dorn came in, and that's why, one of the reasons why he ended up finishing so far back, but he hit some of the debris from that, uh, from that crash. And, but there was, but that, moving up the, the race a little bit, um, there was a couple of incidents like Perez and Carlos Sainz. If you call, recall Perez, uh, doing well and then spinning off into the grass and coming back on track. Just had a, a tweet from Andy P, who's in the car. Give us a call, Andy. Um, says, hi, guys. At least we have a championship battle. He's right there. I mean, there's no question that finally, instead of talking perennially about, well, Mercedes won two. Can anybody stop the silver hours? Um, yeah. We finally got a real race. Enemy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's great. I think it's really good. And I have to say, Ferrari... You know, um, 50th win for Vettel. Great to do it uh, at the home of Gilles Villeneuve. They saw his car going around. It's, uh, you know, Ferrari are 
you know, if nothing but historical, and uh, I think they'll get, you know, this will really prick them into action to continue this form if they can do it. Uh, and it appears that they finally got a car to take on the Mercedes. And it's their first win since I think it was 2004. So, uh, hey, you know, that's, that's going to give at, everybody at, a at little Canada, uh, yeah, yeah. chin up there. And so that's going to be awesome. I think, uh, you know, like I said, our pre-show caller, I think he was right. This uh, this could be a turning point for Ferrari to really give them the legs they need to stay up front. All right, guys. So what else from the race today? Because, uh, obviously, I really expected more that from, from Canada. With, uh, I, with the speeds and everything else, I expect this to have more action. I was uh, impressed by Grosjean getting 49 laps out of ultra soft tires. Yeah, that was a big deal. I was it? really waiting to see how that strategy would play out. Is, uh, it, he is didn't it true get the they ground down the, the groundhog to, to go into the tires to make them last be. longer? Could be. The, <laughs> the groundhog uh, teeth? Or the... yeah. Sorry, I stopped you. Go ahead. <laughs> I was really interested in seeing how that was going to play out. In my mind, though, I think he was trying to wait out for a safety car. Yeah. And that way yeah. everybody's moving slower. The time in the pit is slower yardage by the cars on the track. I think that, uh, that if that had happened... That would have been something else. Jonathan, tell us exactly what happens then. Why Why was he waiting for a safety car? Well, basically, he could get everything done without losing any time. The bottom line is you lose 25 seconds in a pit stop. But you think about the delta when everybody's going slow suddenly, uh, that delta disappears. So you could, if you do it just right, as soon as that flag comes out and you're happening to be finishing a lap, you come straight in, and the 25 seconds you're in could actually get you back out again almost in the same place, i.e., you know, you don't lose anything. That's the key. But, of course, he did come in. And he lost, what, eight eight places, nine places? Yeah, he lost quite a few. So think about this, uh, that 25 seconds, the amount of ground you cover at race pace is a lot more than you cover at yellow flag pace. Yeah. We were talking during the race, uh, our intern Matt and I were looking at the gap between, you know, you had the top six cars, and then the gap between them and everyone else was almost a minute. At, uh, I know when I looked up at one point, it was a pretty huge gap there. It was interesting to watch there. But so what about, uh, we talked about Alonzo. What a way to celebrate his 300th race. Man, that's, you know, again, that's. You think he was over at the pool before the <laughs> yeah. race was over? I think he's on a plane to France. France. <laughs> yeah, he's gone to France. Um, I, I do feel for him. And I think, you know, the, the saga uh, of Alonzo's talent being wasted in Formula One continues. Um, you know, uh, he he should be going down in, in history as one of the greatest drivers. And sadly, Vettel and Hamilton, and I say sadly, because they're both very good drivers, but wouldn't it be nice if we saw Alonso up there um, and making every Hamilton World Championship and every Vettel World Championship mean that much more because he needs a competitive car. Yep. All right, well, guys, well, let's go ahead and take a first break. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about the Canadian Grand Prix. And we have some other stories about Formula One that we want to get out there today. But you're listening to Speed City. We are in Austin, Texas, and back after these messages. Ambi Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Ambi Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Ambi Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. 
Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Talk 1370. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. Canadian Grand Prix just wrapped up. Sebastian Vettel wraps up, wraps up a dominant victory today, looking uh, un, pretty much untouchable. And um, unless I want to jump to some of the stories that you were excited about and threw in our notes for today's show because there's there's so much more to Formula One, obviously, than on the track with all the everything from the economic impact all over the world and every different country. But some of the uh, other business sides of it, uh, what you want to talk about. Absolutely. So, you know, we mentioned it in the pre-show that you've got some things going on that uh, are impacting not only this season, but there's certainly decisions to be made for 2019. How much longer will they invest in a car in 2018 if it's in an area that won't be used in 2019? So that's a budgetary reason. It's also timing. Do they have time to develop this right now, or do they put it off a little ways, get through this race season and use it? Uh, it was really interesting in the uh, pre-weekend press conference, Claire Williams, Gunther Steiner, and Bob Fernley were in there. Bob Fernley of Force India, which, which is a news story of its own. Uh, Vijay Malia stepped down from director and is now just the principal. Bob Fernley is stepping in for that. Uh, but uh, Claire Williams talks about F1 changes and the challenges of a midfield team. Um, more water. Uh, so, yeah, you know, they're, they're working hard, clearly. Um, there's obviously a lot of work to do. We all know that. And we have to work together, which we are doing, um, in order to make sure that the proposals that we're going to have for 2021 work for, um, you know, all the teams as best they can. And that's not an easy piece of work. It's not exactly what we want, but I think we're probably, as a team as Williams, um, but I think we're probably getting closer. And hopefully if we can get this, um, the budget cap in place that brings us Maybe if they're, I know they're, they're purport, um, purporting to their 150, but if you know if it was a bit higher, then fine. We all have to compromise. Um, I think they're very close to the power unit regulations um, to get those locked down, which would be great because then hopefully that would attract new OEMs into our sport. Um, you know, and it's just a, a process. It's a continual process that everybody's working hard to make sure that we can get um, set in stone sooner rather than later. Absolutely. So, you know, those are the kind of things that are coming into play, dealing with the power plant, uh, getting the regulations around those and the storage. Uh, Jonathan, what other marks you think would be interested in coming to Formula One? Aston Martin is the one that seems to be the, the most obvious that everybody's talking about. And I'm talking about a full engine um, entry. Cosworth, another one um, who have been in Formula One or been related to Formula One. 
Um, and th then I think when it starts to... Uh, what I think is going to change in Formula 1 in the next few years, and, and you're starting to hear it in the words of someone like Claire just there, and I, I know you've got Bob lined up and he, he goes into it a bit more, but yeah, I, I think all bets are off. Uh, Sean Bratcher said recently, you know, this is like a startup <laughs> almost because of the commercial side of Formula 1 was so different and a very different model run by Bernie. Wrong or right? I mean, and I say wrong or right because... There's an argument. Bernie was doing a hell of a job of running Formula One and made it one of the most successful businesses. And he's one of the wealthiest men in the world. And all the people in the teams are millionaires because of the success of Formula One. Um, and its global audience is second to none after soccer So and the Olympics. So, you know, it's brilliant. But I think um, Liberty have a, a new take on it and will be bringing new OEMs, as she quite rightly points, out to it. And that could be anything. I think, uh, you know, you didn't say one one of a couple of brands I'd like to see. Go on then. Ford or Chevrolet. Way hell. <laughs> Give me my it. bow tie. You almost said that I'll right. I'll dress up next time, Lila. <laughs> but, yeah, I, you know, I think uh, other brands coming to the grid would be a good thing. You know, we when we talk what, about that, we also... What would Chevrolet gain from being on that, on that world level? Exactly that, a world level. Yeah, uh, and I, I was, I was, yeah, you know, I was, I was being devil's advocate because I've seen what Cadillac have done, um, and and Cadillac is almost has been exclusively seen as an American brand only, but I think now with their racing program and what they're succeeding to do, I think we'll start to see them more often around the world. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of American, Gunther Steiner is uh, obviously concentrating on how to become one of those that are more on the podium regularly. With the uh, car. There you go. So uh, <laughs> Gunther's got some interesting takes on it and, and actually addresses some of the things that concern them. I think the engine regulations need to be signed off uh, for 21 to start off with and then uh, a hard date put in place when, when the next proposal comes from the general uh, commercial contract. Uh, but uh, uh, I think FOM or Liberty is working diligently uh, to achieve this. Uh, we haven't got hard dates and not a complete uh, proposal yet, but... Uh, uh, I don't think it's an easy job uh, to, to make all 10 teams happy, but I think they know uh, what, what, what needs to be done and it's now uh, down to them to negotiate or, 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 to, do, or, or to take the sport where they want uh, to take it. Exactly, where they want to take it. it uh, I think Liberty is more of an inclusive approach that they're working on and uh, the fact that they're talking to you know these, these late Johnny to the game, Haas team, including them. I think that's a demonstration. They obviously want in on the market as well. You know, you're talking about being inclusive, Liberty Media. I'm not sure that that's always a good thing, like having uh, celebrities wave the checkered flag. That's really, it's inclusive. <laughs> I mean, what could go wrong? Shorten the race by one lap, possibly. <laughs> we forgot about that, guys. Hey, I mean, that... Nobody crashed the pace car. Hey, <laughs> that's true. That's true. They weren't at the race, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so uh, but good my point. Lander, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, talking, speaking of the checkered flag, there's some interesting things. There actually has been an occurrence of that in the past where it did impact the race because drivers race to the checkered flag, and then a lot of times they let off and coast and cool down for the remainder of that lap. Apparently, in a previous race, it was done, and laps and people started making passes because they knew that was one lap short. And it had to go to race stewards to review and all that kind of thing. Not in this case. It doesn't sound like anything really changed. But uh, that does have a history. 
Yeah, that that was. Um, I, I know it's I know it's funny, but it's also a serious thing. I mean, you got to look at the rules and regulations and say, if you throw the checkered flag, the race is over. <laughs> so we we, we got to be you know we got to pay attention to all that. Exactly right. Well, we didn't finish talking about the changes, but uh, there is a Nolan Bob Fernley, who is uh, the standing director for Force India. Definitely somebody who's been around a while with oh, it yeah. and can uh, speak to it uh, from a historic perspective as well as how things are now as they're headed towards the Liberty Media. So uh, let's hear what Bob's got to say. I think I like the process that the Formula One group are bringing in where it's, it's very much done by consensus as opposed to individual teams pushing their own agendas, which is what it used to be. So I think they're going through a very very constructive process in that manner. I agree with Gunter, we need to get, and Claire for that matter, we need to get the engine regs na nailed, hopefully maybe this month, so that those can move forward. I'm less concerned about the, um, the, the chassis regs. I think we could wait a while for those because, again, the sooner they come out, the bigger teams have got more opportunity to put resources behind it. So it's not urgent that that happens as long as we keep moving on the path. And we've made a change for 2019, which is a step towards the 21 program which will give some very clear direction they won't get it right um, for sure but it will give good direction in terms of where we want to be for 21 we could be looking if there are elements of standardization or prescriptive elements those could start coming in quite early because they don't affect development so you know I, I think it needs to just have that cohesive process and you know hopefully over the next few months we'll see that very interesting in terms of the word usage there. Consensus rather than lobbying, effectively. Uh, what he's saying is that everybody had an agenda uh, and would effectively approach Bernie with their thoughts on, on the rules and then they would all come to a Concord agreement um, on the rules. And now Liberty are taking a completely different attitude, which is they want to get a consensus and to try to get everybody speaking on the same page. Now, the problem with that is... Good luck with that, is yeah, what I say. well, good luck with that, but you've got some teams spending $500 million and some teams spending spending less yeah. than 100 million um and and honestly the time is now we've got to sort this out um because ferrari and mercedes will continue to win everything for forever and a, and a day uh, and teams like caterham and lotus will disappear and marussia uh from time to time and no one will be encouraged to come into formula one unless you create a cap a, a, a you know a, a sort of cap and a consensus as he says where the likes of Haas and Williams, and, and they're two great examples, um, and Force India are actually, um, of three teams that have invested millions and millions of dollars into this sport with no real return in terms of results um, to, to, to talk of, and also at the end of the season, in constructors' point, once the, the constructors' money is handed out, you know, uh, <laughs> they're finishing fifth and sixth, so they're getting some good money, but they're not getting anywhere near coming third, third or second. So I haven't heard anything that I would say that I would jump back and say, that's the answer. That's perfect. That's let's do that. Whether it's a cap or whatever, we need to be thinking creatively. Like, what did they do in MotoGP? You know, a couple right. of years ago when Ducati was, they were basically playing under a different set of rules. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. But and, and taking a consensus, if you were, from other sports, or at least taking some uh, research from other sports, whether it be NBA, whether it be NFL, whether it be uh, IndyCar, whether it be MotoGP. You're absolutely right. There are a lot of models out there that aren't Formula One's model. And and, and frankly, I don't think you could. Um, 
in any other sport recreate Formula One's model because it was it was such an historical model set by one man in the 70s who effectively acted as an agent on behalf of the whole sport and everybody involved in it to represent them. That's what Bernie did. He represented the teams and that's how his business model was formed and he got them money and that's how they got poured back. But unfortunately, that also led to an agenda seeking from each of those teams and a have and have not kind of situation where, you know, he decided uh, who got what and Ferrari got a very big lion's share of it to stay in Formula One. Uh, and I don't think Liberty will take that approach. Uh, they don't want to lose Ferrari but I think they will work on a consensus approach which works for at least the majority, a democratic approach, if you will, um, to running the sport. And I also think that they're smart enough and savvy enough and experienced enough to go, and if you don't like it, this is the road ahead, guys. All right. We've got to, to me, there has to be some things to uh, not, not limit creativity, but there has to be some things that are specified. Thinking about MotoGP and the... Magneti Morelli ignitions. Here's your ignition system, guys. This is what you're going to use. Yeah. Uh, and the reason I say that is, uh, and I'm thinking of other components, to be honest, is Mercedes is going to develop an engine. So it's very easy for them to hide the cost to develop that engine and say that this engine was only so much from cost standpoint. And uh, But the underlings or the private teams, junior teams, have to purchase that. And so uh, there's there's some sleight of hand, I think, that could occur if you're building and creating your own engine versus buying it as a customer. Well, so, yeah, like you say, it's what the debate is going on with Renault right now and uh, Red Bull uh, is do you want to be a works team with Honda, i.e. them supplying you and you alone with their engine, and that's your relationship, or do you want to be a customer? And do you want to have a Renault that is shared by several other customers and is run by Renault F1, who are bound to have the latest spec, which is very true of a lot of different motorsports. So, uh, yeah, this is, you know, you can't you can't reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Um, but I think, you know, some changes are need to be made in, uh, need to be made in order to for the growth of the sport to happen. All right, guys, let's go and take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Canadian Grand Prix, talk about who the, who the uh, driver of the day was, according to Formula One, and some of the other statistics from today's race. You're listening to Speed City live in Austin. Back after these messages. What y'all trying to do? 24 karat magic in the The Austin East KOA Campground, just 15 minutes from Circuit of the Americas and downtown Austin, and just two minutes from the Travis County Expo Center and Central Texas Fishing in Decker Lake, featuring amenities for every style of camping, from tent sites to luxury RV pull-throughs and cabins, plus a pool, showers, and laundry. Nestled in tall oak trees on the edge of the hill country, all the pleasures of the Lone Star State await you at Austin East KOA. To make your reservation, visit austineastkoa.com. The racetrack, it's where legends are born, where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin, and Rolls-Royce motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles, whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey, because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Talk 1370. 
Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. Canadian Grand Prix today. We just got through listening to that. And Sebastian Vettel won the race today. Valtteri Bottas, Verstappen, Ricardo Hamilton. And 50th win for Sebastian Vettel. And, you know, guys, we had this drought. We kind of forget with Ferrari doing good last year and this year. We had a really significant drought for Ferrari. And it's the first time since 2004 since they won in Montreal. Uh, Yeah, and do you remember petulant Vettel from last year on the radio complaining and screaming and shouting uh, and banging into Hamilton? You know, there's a lot of water under the bridge since Vettel was having an air of not superiority, but all weekend this weekend, every interview we've heard of him, cars perfect, great stuff. I mean, he didn't put a foot wrong. And that pit stop, sensational. I mean, Ferrari have got their act together, really. Yeah, they should. And it's Ferrari, and they've got the money to do it. And uh, Also, Sebastian Vettel is now on top of the driver's standing by one, one point, point yeah. over, over Lewis Hamilton. So let me just read it off real quick, because it is there's some significant things here. Obviously, the one point with Sebastian Vettel, over Lewis Hamilton, and then at 120 and 121, and then Valtteri Bottas, 86 points. Daniel Ricciardo, only two points behind him, 84 points. Kimi Raikkonen, 68. Verstappen, 50. Alonso in the top 10 with 32 points at number 7. Hulkenberg, number 8. And Renault, obviously, looking good this year because Carlos Sainz right behind him him at number 9. And at the very bottom, we've got... Sergey Sorotkin and Roman, Roman Grosjean. Grosjean. I know. With uh, somebody, no points. Somebody was asked about that, or somebody asked um, Gudestiner about Grosjean's form, uh, or bad luck, I should say, and form, um, and said, you know, is he getting a bit miffed with it? And he goes, no. And let me just remind you, Roman Grosjean, you know, voted with his feet when no one knew what Haas was going to be, and he left his career to join this fledgling team and effectively give up his competitive career uh, to help develop the Haas team. So a, a dip in form for Grosjean, and again, problems today, uh, or not, you know, not what they wanted today. But um, in other words, Gunter was saying, no, we're 100% behind our driver, and even though he scored no points yet, a lot of that's been bad luck. And yes, he's had a dip in form, but he'll come back, and when they get the car right, I think we'll see Grosjean right as well. Also, if you want to join the conversation, 512-279-0813, 512-279-0813, if you want to call and give us your opinion. And Jonathan, you had another topic you wanted yeah, to hit. Just same thing. I'm just looking at that uh, championship standings today. We are about to go into a maelstrom of three back-to-back-to-back-to-back races, uh, Austria, Britain, and um, France. But when I look at that top four, down to 84 points, I think the championship is lightening up now or livening up now to be a four-way battle between the two Mercedes, uh, Sebastian Vettel uh, Vettel and um, Daniel Ricciardo, which will be joined by wins possibly and certainly podiums for the likes of Raikkonen and Verstappen on the way to that. That championship. Okay, of the upcoming races, where obviously we know what kind of circuit after Monaco that is good for Red Bull. What do you think? Where do you think that Red Bull is going to look strong? Because we know Austria, that Austria. Yeah. <laughs> Only because, yeah, I mean, they, they will because it's their home Grand, Grand Prix, effectively. Um, Silverstone, I, I think you've still got to stick with it's a big, long airfield, is Silverstone. Uh, and I think, therefore, Ferrari and Mercedes and the long run around Silverstone will probably be still dominant. Uh, France, that's the one. That's the one I like because Paul Ricard has not been used in, what, over a decade for Formula One? Uh, more than that, probably, because it used to be at Magna Corps in France. Uh, Paul Ricard, though, is a great circuit, and I think you'll enjoy it. 
Um, it's quite different. It's got uh, some interesting, instead of gravel traps, they've got these uh, kind of funky blue and white lines. You'll see. Um, and I, I, again, who's they've got a long straight there too. They've done testing there, and, and, and certainly the drivers will be familiar with the circuit. But um, the French Grand Prix, it's so good that it's back on the calendar. I mean, the French practically invented motor racing. Well, according to them, they did. Yeah. Uh, well, the first ever Paris to Rouen was in France, so that was the first ever motor race. Well, there you go then. So, you know. We'll take their word for it. Yeah. Driver of the day, according to Formula One, was Sebastian Vettel. I guess it's hard to argue with that. I was thinking that uh, if Roman Grosjean had ended up in the points, we might have had a shot at that. Yes, true. Starting from the back. Uh, Max Verstappen quoted today, says, I think we were really competitive. It was a good race. I enjoyed it. That seems <laughs> it seems awfully mature. For I was going to say that that doesn't sound like Max <laughs> saying say, that. that sounds yeah. like PR. I was going to say, did he have a little card in his hand when he was yeah, when he was that, saying that reading? It really out? does. You know, it's uh, you know because there there was an interesting uh, audio clip about uh, Max's response to uh, changing his way of uh, of racing, and you know we heard the headbutt stories and things like that. But uh, Max is, you know, are you going to change racing? Well, here's his response. Well, you know, I, I get really tired of all the comments of me, you know, should, that I should change my, my approach. So um, I will never do that um, because it's brought me to where I am right now. And, um, you know, after a race, um, you know, it's not the right time to talk. And, um, yeah, so everybody who has, has those comments, you know, I don't listen to it anyway. And I just, I just do my own thing. And then he had buttered her. <laughs> just, no. just to explain, because I'm sure you Americans, as civilized as you are, don't really understand the headbutting thing. Um, in Northern Europe, in Britain, in, in Holland, Wait. and in, in, in Viking areas like Denmark. I think um, we're supposed to be insulted. I think I, no, think no, I am no, insulted. No, no, you're very, no, you're very civilized here. You don't, have you, when, when have you ever headbutted somebody? Well, not since fifth grade, but you're right. Okay, so you do do it here then. But <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, it's a soccer thing. It's a soccer thing, really. You know, your corner comes across. You kind of headbutt the guy in front of you to get him out of the way. Um, but, you know, or in a bar, if somebody looks at your wife the wrong way or steals your drink, you know, you headbutt him. So this this is parlance. This is normal parlance for Northern Europe. <laughs> he, he isn't really, it's rhetorical. He's not really saying he's going to headbutt anybody. But you know. I wish you would. It should have been today because it would have been something exciting. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Although there are a few journalists that could do with a, a clean headbutt now and again, <laughs> just to get them straight. I feel like I'd better wear, wear a helmet nowadays to, to the scrum. Hey, Les, you wanted to talk about the story um, and another one of your the, the business side or the uh, outside the race today, but obviously with a little bit more time to talk about stuff. Jump into that. The, uh, there's, there's a few different things going on that are really interesting and, you know, the business changes that uh, I enjoy the business side of it and seeing how they're going to change, what they're going to do with this. Uh, it's not just about the, uh, the technical things or the things that you see on track or the budgets, but they're actually starting to talk about the calendar. Uh, one of the things is to stretch out the racing season a little bit earlier and stretch it a little bit later. And make more races. And add more races. I thought uh, you say make more money. Well, well, that would do the effect. <laughs> we hope that each race brings profit, yes. But, uh, you know, that's uh, that's pros and cons. Uh, some of the things they said, do you want it so frequent that our customers get bored with it and it's not a special occasion to uh, watch the F1 races as they are now? People plan their day to include it. 
do you want to stretch it out so far that uh, logistics of travel impact the racing teams even more to be gone longer to be away from your family and then to short the shorten the off-season time that you have because if you stretch it out on both ends the beginning and the end you're going to shorten that time to get the next year's car ready and so uh, it, it impacts not only the year you think about as you stretch both ends but uh, the the subsequent year after that what do you think jonathan you've traveled the 22 country a year circuit yeah it's uh, and it's very hard to be honest on everybody but the, the flip side if you will and, and you, you kind of almost describe those as mainly negatives the positives i would say if i'm if i'm putting the liberty hat on for a second would be more races um will will bring more revenue um and it will create a an appointment sunday viewing either every two weeks or not far off um with some back-to-backs uh, so that's one thing two i think yes the teams are both capable and probably willing to do different teams for different races and what i mean by that is literally having you know a, the, a team do the first four races and then you know you swap it around a little bit um in terms of uh, actual people traveling so not everybody's traveling to every race because that's really tough uh, and then the other part i really do like is the idea of geographically setting the calendar uh, into regions uh, and what i mean by that is effectively if you are in europe you stay in europe and if you are in asia you stay in asia and when you're in the americas you do canada usa miami in terms and then austin and then maybe brazil mexico you know what i mean it, it, it sure. becomes so that also from a fan's point of view you are a on a news cycle more relevant it, it, it's more in the news for the four months that it's in your region uh, and b that would make the logistics of travel definitely cheaper uh from a freight point of view uh and getting the cars to where they need to be to go on the same continent for four months rather than i mean some of the trips i've seen you know from look at what we've just done we've just gone from the far east um in bahrain and azerbaijan and then coming back to spain uh and now in canada again i mean that's a big logistics it certainly is you know uh as a spectator i mean we, we've met folks here at the united states grand prix in austin that have said they have to choose between going to mexico city or coming to Austin for this I'd like to see these two spread out on the calendar more so uh, just because of that that uh, you know they can only do one or the other I'd like to see them spread out uh, the that's upcoming a, yeah, that's a that's a good counter counter you know counter argument to that you know if we're looking for fan engagement uh, to me the region may play against that in the region idea mm. uh, it, it's a tough tough road to hoe and uh, come up with the results on that because there's just so many variables you know if you did a canada followed by austin for instance in the first half of the season logistics probably aren't uh, nearly as giant as you would expect from the folks going from asia and coming to canada but while they're over here hit austin while you're at it maybe see some blue bonnets in texas they're beautiful folks yeah I, I mean i certainly feel that i mean you know when i look at the asian region which is kind of the newest part of the, the formula one um academy of, of of race tracks as it were and I've, I've spent a lot of time out there it makes sense 
to start traditionally in Australia where it does, but it then makes sense to go to Singapore, then to Malaysia, then to Vietnam is a possibility now they're talking about it, and then you head to Shanghai. Now, all of that logistically makes a lot more sense than the way they do it currently. Sure. And, and then again, you're right. I mean, you know, if you were in Malaysia, you'd have a choice then of going to Singapore, which is 300 miles away, or Vietnam, which is probably no more than 800 miles away. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's, 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 you know, Positives and negatives for both, but I think logistics will win out. All right, guys, well, let's take another quick break. We'll continue to talk about the Canadian Grand Prix and Formula One stories. You're listening to Speed City in Austin back after these messages. Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe, on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. Speaking of Gene Haas, I want to talk a little bit about the Haas team. Today, Grosjean ended up 12th after starting dead last. Good job. Yeah. We'll take and, that. And Magnussen ended up 14th. Perez passed him with on the penultimate lap. It was like, I thought they were going to be 12th and 13th. Before the, is that after the first checkered well, flag actually, or the second yeah, one? yeah. He may have, depending on when you call the end so of the race. So officially he was... 12. Yeah, exactly. Or 13. Uh, well, we have a couple of clips that I want to play about the Haas F1 team because uh, we ex I expected a little better race today. I mean, obviously, 12th is from I'm starting in the back with whatever reliability problem they had there with all the smoke and qualifying is, is a good finish. But I, I, I was hoping to get at least one of the points today. I was kind of expecting, really. And But we got a couple of clips. In fact, I want to start with this first one. And this is from a gentleman who knows what it's like to be on the Canadian Grand Prix because he's raced it last year. This is Julian Palmer, who is a who's a 2017. He was in Formula One racing for the Renault team. And this year's doing commentary for the BBC. But he kind of sums up the Haas season after we were giving them a little bit of a hard time after Monaco. Let's hear from Julian Palmer. I think well, they're doing better than last season, to be honest. They're, they're doing a good job, Haas. They've come out of the blocks flying. They've had a lot of teething problems and think back to Melbourne where they were running fourth and fifth. They were doing an incredible job and they had problems with the wheels going on at the pit stop, which is which basically 
meant both cars retired out of out of great positions and uh yeah so they, that's really the potential of the car magnuson showed it with sixth place in barcelona they've got a car that could be best of the rest a lot of the time but in monaco it really highlighted the weakness of the car which is on the chassis the slow speed corners and that's a little bit what we've got here in montreal as well really it's a lot of low speed corners it's like a street circuit with a long straight and uh, i feel again it's not really one for Haas. they'll probably be well they can't be less competitive than they were in monaco last time out but overall they've done a good job and when we get back to uh, silverstone austria with more fast flowing corners that's what suits the Haas car and they can be up in the top 10 and scoring points magnuson i think has been doing a great job this year he's really got the most out of it grosjean's got the pace he's a very quick driver but he's just made a lot of mistakes you know i mean Remember back to uh, Baku when he was running sixth and put it in the wall behind the safety car, the, the lost points there. And then, of course, Barcelona, where he had the big, the big Larry crash on the first lap and, uh, and ruled out himself and, and uh, Gasly and Hulkenberg. So he's got the pace. He's up there a lot, but he's just not able to, um, to get anything at the end of the race on Sundays yet. But it's a matter of time because Grosjean can do it. Magnus has been doing it. I think it has a, a looking good, to be honest, even if this weekend probably is likely to be a, another challenging one for them. You know, that's wise words. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you kind of forget about some of that stuff, how, yeah. how well they started and how just that one little mistake behind the safety car, a lot of th small things could have made big well, differences in the points. And the wheels game. falling off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, a, a pit, two pit stops yeah. make a dramatic difference in their season. And, you know, they had a bunch of changes for Canada here today because not only we talked about the Ferrari power unit, but they had a front wing a new floor, floor. Barge, board area, barge board area. There was a lot of changes to the car. And and I know this is something you and I talked about, Jonathan, at the very beginning of the season. Was Haas going to be able to keep up with the rest of the midfield mm. with the smaller team and this less budget than some of those guys? And I'd say, yes, for the most part, yes. But uh, but I expected them a little better today. And by the way, they're, they're on equal points at the moment with um, Toro Rosso on 19. They're ahead of Sabra and Williams, who have scored literally just four points in this season. Uh, Haas currently on 19 points. And, you know, uh, if they keep this going, uh, they could absolutely challenge both McLaren and Force India as the, as the, uh, you know, as the year goes on. And that, at the moment, moment, McLaren are fifth, Force India are sixth. And if you remember last year, it was touch and go as to whether they might even beat McLaren. Yeah. Well, let's get it from one of the men himself, Gunther Steiner, because he's he did a little season update. And so let's hear from Gunther Steiner. I think uh, we had one big down this Monaco where our performance wasn't there. The other, uh, the other times uh, the performance was there. We didn't get enough points uh, out of the races. But Monaco, we, we knew going into on, uh, that on low speed, our car is not very good at. And then we had a few issues in free practice, which uh, uh, losing parts, and we decided not to, uh, uh, not to use them. Uh, so uh, we knew going into uh, qualifying that we will be pretty slow and beware obviously you know so uh, not surprising it doesn't make us happy but uh, uh, we, I think we will be okay again here uh, we have got some upgrades here for this race and uh, we are still evaluating how much they bring and uh, it's too early to say anything yet Roman has appeared to struggle a little bit more compared to Kevin this year in terms of the points return anyway but when you've had issues like Monaco and other races where you've missed opportunities how do you view how your drivers are performing 
I think they're doing okay, and with Romain, I would say he had uh, actually two bad races, and he knows about it. Uh, I don't need to tell him, and, uh, but uh, I think he gets some credit uh, from us because he was there uh, from the beginning. He took a big uh, chance in the beginning to join us when we were unknown and uh, uh, we had no credit, credit by anybody. So uh, uh, I, I think we're doing okay. He will come back and be the Romain uh, like he was before. Yeah, these point. clips, they, these came from uh, the Formula One YouTube page, which is so much better than it used to be these days oh, with yeah. the Liberty Media influence. Uh, let's see. So also fastest lap, Max Verstappen today. Yep. Not surprising, honestly. That's, I mean, he did good all weekend. Uh, it's going to be a footnote, but, um, you know, he's kind of gone by the by with Vettel winning. But Verstappen's performance this weekend has turned around what has been six races of shit hell frankly yeah good point um so to be honest i think he can go quietly about setting back to europe and going all right i've got the monkey off my back a little bit and i think we'll see you know the best out of max hopefully and uh, we can move, all move forward from this nobody gets headbutted <laughs> yes uh i want to talk about something else that was uh that's been played out in the last couple of weeks last couple of races is these cameras they're talking about the new cameras angles again I love the fact that Liberty's bringing in, uh, trying new things because Roman Grosjean tried out some glasses that they had a camera in the glass, in the glasses that uh, that he tried out over the weekend and to give some different camera angles. And I thought this was a great idea because imagine what you see is not only you see the, you know, the, and I know this has been done, attempted before, but not actually right in the the helmet like that. Mm -hmm. And did you guys see any of the... Yeah, yeah. It's a bit blurry yeah. at times. Well, that's kind of what you'd expect. I wonder if, you know, that's what you might see as a driver. <laughs> yeah, true. But I thought it was a good idea, and, and the, I think this is the kind of thing we need to see. One experiment that didn't work, uh, definitely the camera in the groundhog nose did not work. <laughs> um, when he faced off with Grosjean, and we were going to get that double view from the groundhog's perspective and then from Grosjean's perspective, it just didn't really work, and it just took out um, Grosjean's nose. It, it just, when he was complaining it over and over... Idea. It's a great yeah. idea, you know, <laughs> but no, no, no I, nature cams. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't want to hear any more about this silly groundhog. Then Grosjean ran over so brutally. Again, again, <laughs> again, 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 day after day. Exactly. <laughs> all right, come on. Uh, all right, let's move on, move on, moving on from there. So, all right, so this, the, probably some of the biggest stories that have been hovering around lately. Again, we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show, but uh, Red Bull to Honda. And I know we have touched on this, but... Um, but if we, if there was so much discussion about Honda last year and so much discussion about McLaren going, oh, if we just had a chassis to do well, and now we're not doing well, and so they can't blame it on Honda. But what do you think, Jonathan? Do you think they, if, if you were Zach Brown, what's your decision? You don't mean Zach Brown, you mean... Oh, sorry. Christian Horner. Yes, Christian yeah, Horner. Zach Brown made his decision. Yeah, what, what, would, what would Zach Brown... No, I'm just kidding. So, yes, <laughs> yeah, Christian he'd have got Horner. rid of him. Um, I, I, it is an interesting one, especially when you consider on the back of the uh, Red Bull car is a very, very well-known manufacturer called what? Aston Martin. And they have been talking and been looking at the possibility of supplying their own uh, power plant. Um, so I think you've got to factor that in too. Um, 
as we know, the rocky road that uh, has been Renault's relationship with Red Bull. They've won four world titles with them, and then they spent the next few years slagging them off um, and really giving them a hard time about not performing, and they didn't perform. And now they're performing again. They're winning at Monaco. They won last year. Um, and Renault have got a really good power plant now uh, that is, according to Horner, this weekend alone, just three-tenths in a straight line off the Ferrari and the Mercedes. And that ain't bad because in the... In the mid corners the chassis the brilliant design of adrian Newey is making up the time for red bull which is putting themselves in a position to win races as they did at monaco so it is a tough decision i think though in the in the sort of current market and with a sort of not dumping down but with a, a p potential um cap on engines and looking ahead to 2021 being with a works team will be a big advantage yeah John, and therefore i think they'll stay with honda all right, let's talk about the races coming up because we've got some uh, interesting races coming up and we're going to be in, Jonathan, you'll be in Silverstone for us to cover that yep. on the, on the, uh, in the paddock and getting some interviews for us. Uh, what are you, what strikes you about these next two or three races? Well, that it's all going to happen very quickly and that, you know, effectively Austria, France, unknown, and then Britain, uh, it's, you know, by the time we come out of July 7th, we're going to have a completely different story or one that is familiar with Vettel leading further. You know what I mean? It could be a very decisive three weeks of summer. All right. Well, that's going to be our time today. We appreciate you tuning in to Speed City. Check us out on our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, because if you're listening to the post-race show, you could have watched, listened to the pre-race show because we're doing pre- and post-Formula 1 shows every Formula 1 weekend. And to find out all the details, go to our website. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and SoundCloud as well. We have lots of interviews. All of these interviews that we have done are up on SoundCloud. And we got the full podcast with Paul Tarsi. Really fascinating, interest, uh, interesting story about the history of Formula One. So, all right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. Adios. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.